All right. So tonight, we are going to continue. For those of you who've been here a while, we're doing a little thing called the Faces of Recovery. And um, tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about step six. Step six is repent. And there's this guy that I'm going to talk about tonight. His name's Paul. Uh, you know, he's kind of, he's a little, he's in some places in the New Testament. You might read about him here and there. Um, but uh, so repent, the step is we became entirely ready to turn away from our patterns of sin and turn to God. And, and the verse for repentance is 2 Timothy 2.22, now flee useful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so the first thing I want to just kind of get out of the way is what is repentance? Because honestly, for a long time as I was a believer, I would hear the term repentance and I would think, well, that's what happens when I become a believer, right? I repented. And so one of the first places I went was to John the Baptist. And if y'all remember, John the Baptist came before Christ. He was the herald of Christ. He was, he was saying, and he was out, coming out of the wilderness saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And at one point, some Pharisees come and John says something very interesting to them. He says in Matthew 3, 8, he says, produce fruit consistent with repentance. That doesn't sound like a one-time event for me. That gets me thinking. Produce fruit consistent with repentance. So let's dig into this a little bit. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis in a book I really love called The Case for Christianity. I don't think we have a slide of this, but I really want y'all to let this sink in because I think Lewis gives a really good description of what repentance looks like. He says, this process of surrender, this movement, full speed astern, in other words, turning from our sin and turning towards God is what Christians call repentance. Now, repentance is no fun at all. It is something much harder than eating humble pie. It means unlearning all the self-deceit and self-will that we've been training ourselves into for our whole entire lives, he says, for thousands of years, meaning the human race. It means killing part of yourself. It's undergoing a kind of death willingly. And here's the catch. In fact, it needs a good man to repent. And, and here's the kicker. <laughs> Only a bad person needs it. Only a good person can do it properly. The worse you are, the more you need it, and the less you can do it. The only person who could do it perfectly would be a perfect person. And guess what? He would not need it. And as we're going to realize, that's the beauty of the gospel. Because that's what was given to us. So let's dig in. Okay, so a couple of things we want to discuss about repentance. I, of course, have come up with a, what I like to call an acrostic, which is really incorrect. It's, I was told last time that it's not an acrostic, it's actually an acronym. And it is race. So, race. And basically, it's, here's what we're going to discuss. Recognizing our rebellion against God. 
accepting God's provision in Christ, which is really steps one through three. The first one is step four, cling to Christ daily. And then finally, everything. Be submitted to Christ in everything. Because what we're going to talk about is repentance is not an event. Repentance is walking a Christian life. It is a lifestyle. Is it a lifestyle of pursuing Christ and God? So, who was Paul? Let's get this out of the way. Paul was born a Greek. Um, he was basically uh, in a Roman area of the empire. Uh, in Cis he was born in Sicilia, which is located in what is now Turkey. He spoke Greek, Aramaic. He studied Hebrew while training as a Pharisee. He was born both a Jew and a Roman citizen. Pretty unique guy. He is uh, mentioned as a witness to the murder of Stephen, the first recorded murder or martyrdom of a Christian we have in the gospel. He is recorded as a witness in Acts 7. And in Acts 8, Paul is named the leader of the persecution of the early church by name. So when is this? The church is, we, I'm going to tell you where we're at. And the reason why is we're covering a vast swath of scripture in this. We're in the early church. The gospel is just starting to spread and the Pharisees, they don't like it. And they've unleashed Paul and they said, man, Paul's like, I hate these Christians. I think what they're doing is, is terrible. It's wrong. I, I want to go put them in jail. I want to stop this. And they're like, go for it. So Paul is essentially talks about all this and I'm kind of going to be teaching out of Acts 26 but we're going to be jumping around a lot in a lot of his letters. Paul says in Acts 26, this is in verse 9, he says about himself, in fact, I myself supposed it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus, the Nazarene. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. So Paul is charged with basically suppressing the church. So he's going out, and the first thing is Paul has to recognize his rebellion against God. So in Acts 9, Paul is going to Damascus, and he's going to imprison Christians. And on the road to Damascus, something incredible happens. He's traveling along, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he sees a blinding light, he falls to the ground, and he hears this in Acts 9, verses 4 and 5. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, Christ replied. And it, it blew Paul's mind. Here's the guy he's persecuting, Christ risen in front of him saying, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Why are you doing this? Paul says later in Acts, you know, and the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting, but get up, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a service of a witness of what you have seen, and I will, I will reveal to you. Paul is basically immediately put on mission. So, number one, Paul had to recognize his rebellion against God. 
And the way it happened is incredible. I don't know about y'all, but when I was rebelling against God, I never had a vision of Christ. I never fell down on my knees. He never said, Jonathan, Jonathan, what are you doing? Go back to church. Okay. Um, it's amazing. But here's the point. Paul thought he was defending the truth. He thought he was doing something right in his sin. The second part is that God showed Paul he was fighting him. He was fighting God directly. He was, in effect, acting as God's enemy. When I came to Regen the first time, you know, I honestly, I knew there was something wrong with my life, but I wouldn't call myself an enemy of God. You know, I'd call myself a guy who was just struggling with some things. As I went through the first three steps, you know, it became clear that, okay, I need Christ. Then I went through steps four and five, and it really defined for me who I was as a person. I was selfish. I wanted my own way. I didn't want Christ to be a ruler of my life. Honestly, now as I saw those things, I was like, man, I have, I have not been a friend to God. I have not been a friend to Christ. So, Christ is God's provision for our sins, and he's our provision for sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we can repent in him. So the first thing we have to do is recognize our rebellion against God, recognize that we're separate from Christ, recognize our need for Christ, and it's only in that that we can truly accept Christ into us and his provision on the cross. So that brings us to point two. We need to accept God's provision in Christ. This is kind of working backwards because this is really steps one through three. So after the vision, Paul was blind and confused. God had a disciple in Damascus. They went ahead and went to Damascus, but Paul is just, he's blind. He doesn't know what to do. All he knows is he's seen this vision of God and he's got this calling, but he doesn't know what to do about it. There's a disciple named Ananias and God basically calls to Ananias and he says, hey, you know Saul, what was his name at the time, this guy Paul, who's persecuting the church? I want you to go and I want you to talk to him because he's going to be my instrument, my instrument to the Gentiles. And Ananias is like, time out. I've heard about this guy. <laughs> Man, this guy is throwing people in jail. He's persecuting people. Are you sure? And God's like, yeah, I want you to go tell him. So Ananias left and he entered the house that Paul was in. He placed his hands on him and he said, and he said, Brother Saul, this is in Acts 9, 17 and 19. I think it's up. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes. He regained his sight and... He got up and was what? Baptized. Immediately got up and was baptized. So how did, God, how did Paul accept God's provision in Christ? Number one, it's confirmed by his sight. So he sees Ananias, scales from his eyes. Number two, he's professing in baptism. He identifies with the church. I mean, guys, this is incredible. I mean, here's a guy going to Damascus to imprison Ananias, and here's Ananias 20 days, 
15 days, I'm not sure how many days later, five days later, baptizing him and identifying him with the church. So when I started going through the steps, I had to accept God's provision in Christ. And it was for all my sin, not just the sin <laughs> that I came to Regen for. Because honestly, the sin I came to Regen for, which for me was pornography, I mean, it was burdensome and, and I wanted it to go away. But what about all the sins that I saw in my inventory? What about all my sins that, that I started to learn about and all the ways that I turned from God over the years? What about those? And that's the point. I had to accept God's provision for everything, for my whole entire life. Not just the things I came to read you in to fix, the things that I didn't even know that were broken. Things that I don't know that are broken right now in me that God's going to reveal to me later. Things that he's revealing me to today. We must ask Christ into our lives and acknowledge his provision for us. The reason why this is so important is I'll take you back to that Lewis quote. We can't repent without Christ. Just like we can't come to salvation except for his provision on the cross, we can't live a life of, of repentance without his provision for us daily. It's keeping our eyes on him. So let's get into the meat of how does repentance work in our daily lives. So point three I've got is cling to Christ. So now we actively turn our hearts and minds to Christ. And Paul spends the rest of his life proclaiming Christ and encouraging others to cling to him. He says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight of sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on who? Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. If y'all have read the life of Paul, I mean, this guy, after he left Damascus, I'll just give a list of some of the things he went through for the gospel. He endured beatings, stoning, literally thought the guy was dead and somehow you know, crawled away from, from that alive. Hunger, slander, multiple arrests, multiple trials, imprisonment, and eventually death by beheading. How? How could a guy who was a promising Pharisee on the road to Damascus seeing a vision, how can this guy endure all that how can you, Christian, endure all that in your life? How can you endure the things that are going to come before you? I'll tell you how. He had a single focus, a single focus, and that focus was on Christ. I want to make something very clear. When we talk about repentance, when I talk about repentance, especially in step six, because a lot of people are going, why is repentance in step six? Shouldn't it be in step three? Step three is surrender. It's trust. Okay, and that is when we're basically trusting that Christ's provision has saved us. Repentance 
is about continually pursuing Christ and living a lifestyle of repentance. In other words, repentance is not about salvation. Repentance is about continuing to strive for Christ, continuing to look to Christ, continuing to be defined by who Christ is in my life daily. So, I mean, the bottom line is in my life, I, I want to arrive. I mean, that's, that's my honest, honest, let me be honest. I want to arrive. I want to come to Regen. I want to do the steps. Uh, I want to lead a group through. And, and I just, I want to be there. I'm here. I'm done. Hey, I can just, you know, take a seat. You know, God, I'm not looking at pornography anymore. You know, I get angry every once in a while, but that's not really, you know, that's, that's a side issue. But the true issue is gone. That's not what Christ wants from us. That's not why Christ came. Christ came so that we could give him everything and that we could continue to strive towards him. Do you have salvation? Absolutely. I am saved. But I want to continue to strive towards the prize. I want to run the race. I want to strive for eternity. And that's what Paul's single focus was. He knew that the race was not over. And that's what repentance is all about. That's what step six is all about. It's about us continuing to pursue Christ. Not for me to define what goodness is in me. Not for you to define what goodness is in you, but for Christ to define who we are in him. And so it's not up to me when I'm done. It's not up to me when I've arrived. Never arrived. I'm always pursuing. And so the charge is repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Pursue Christ with me. Let us pursue Christ together. We must cling to Christ daily to live a life of repentance as we are continually transformed by him, both in ways we see we need to be and man, maybe ways that we'll never see because he's gonna define those things in us and transform those things in us. So four, I couldn't come up with a catchy sentence for this no matter how hard I tried, so I just put everything. So be transformed by Christ in everything. I love what Christ says in chapter 26 of Acts. I don't have the verse up there, but he's essentially talking. He's on house arrest. He's waiting to go to Rome, and he's not really on trial. He's more or less giving a deposition of why he's there, and he's talking to basically King Agrippa and a, and a guy named Festus, who's the guy whose house he's in at the time. And he says this in verse 29, I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me, everyone who listens to me today might become as I am except for these chains. What is he saying? I want everybody I talk to to be reconciled to Christ. I want everything that I see to be reconciled with Christ. I mean, guys, that's the promise. The promise of revelation is not a promise of, you know, hey, we, we've arrived. 
Let's sit down and, and praise God. The promise is, is that we're reconciled. Everything's reconciled to Christ. Everything will be reconciled to him. And the charge for the believer today is to strive for that reconciliation in our lives and in the lives of others. I want to be very clear. This is not a salvation issue. I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying if you're not striving in this way that you're not saved. What I'm saying is this is the running the race. Running the race and living a lifestyle of repentance for the purpose of pursuing Christ in everything we do. Um, so in everything, be transformed by Christ. Paul knew that repentance, moving to God, is only possible in Christ. And that repentance is a gift from God. So that we are always moving towards Christ. Repentance, it's a way of life. In Philippians 3.14, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.21, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything, subject everything to himself. Think about that. I'm flesh and bone just like all you guys. I get on the highway, someone cuts me off, I get frustrated, I go speeding around the car and then I slow down like, what the heck am I doing? I'm at my job, my boss says something to me, I misinterpret, I get frustrated, I get angry. I, we end up having to reconcile in that. I'm married, I have two kids, the kids don't do everything I want them to do, I get frustrated in that. Man, guys, I struggle every day. I struggle every day. The question is, is who am I moving towards? And what a promise. This flesh, this fallen flesh, this fallen body, it's going to be redeemed. Christ is going to redeem it. That's what we're working towards. We're striving for heaven in a lifestyle of repentance. Paul wanted the prize. He wanted everything to be reconciled to Christ. And the bottom line is, is he was striving for heaven. That's what he was doing. And really, that's what step six is all about. Step six is like, okay, great. Here's inventory. Here's all the mess. What are we going to do? We're going to lay in a plan, and we're going to lay in a plan to live for Christ and live to Christ so that we're constantly and continually pursuing him. I've never arrived. I should never settle. I'm called to a life of repentance. And the bottom line is, is I know that Christ will transform everything to himself. In 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Let's go back to what we talked about at the very beginning. Repentance is impossible. Why? Because I'm not a perfect guy. Y'all aren't. Anyone perfect? Good. Okay. Talking to the right audience. Y'all aren't perfect either. I can't perfectly repent. Sin has us. It's bringing us to death. Even when we go through regen, our sins are forgiven. 
but we're alive in Christ. So what do we do that? We can only repent if God does this process in us. And how did he do it? Christ muted the power of sin on the cross. It's muted. It's gone. It's done. And guess what? We get to do something with that. The power to repent is in Christ. And he calls us to a life of repentance in him. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. And that's what Paul's message to the church was. That's why Christ could call people to say, you know, Christ says, be perfect as I am perfect. Wow, what? God, I can't be perfect. It's okay. You're perfect in me. And now just follow me. Keep your eyes on me. That's what repentance is all about. It's about keeping your eyes on Christ and understanding that it's a lifestyle. We're striving for repentance. We're striving for eternity. We're striving for Christ. Sin has no power. Death has no sting. So remember it's a race. Recognize our rebellion against God. We see that in steps four and five. Three, uh, in steps one, two, and three, we accept God's provision in Christ. And then we cling to Christ daily. And in everything, we're submitted to Christ in everything. It's a race. It is a race. One final word, and I cannot stress this enough. We are saved in Christ. It's salvation by grace. It is not salvation by works. Repentance is merely saying, strive for him. Continue to strive for him. You're already saved. You've got the gift. He's giving you salvation. Strive for more of him. And that's all it really, that's what the process of repentance is all about. Cling to him daily. Keep your eyes on him. And he will reconcile everything to himself. And you will be a reconciler as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for allowing me to teach. Lord God, if there is anything that you have shown me, it is that I, I need repentance. I need your truth. And Lord, I just ask as we leave out of here today, Lord, that you would encourage us to pursue you, just to continue to pursue you. And Lord, I would ask that if there's there's things in us that we need to continue to surrender to you, that you would give us the strength to do that. And Lord, we know it's in your spirit that you will show us the way. I thank you for Regen. I thank you for tonight. And it's in your name we pray, amen.